0: Imagine with me this morning what it might be like if Noah was living today and God told him to build the ark today in the United States of America. It might go something like this, and the Lord spoke to Noah and said, in one year I am going to make it rain and completely cover the whole earth with water until all men are destroyed. But Noah I want you to save all the righteous people and I want you to save two of every kind of living thing on the earth. Therefore, I am commanding you to build an ark. So in a flash of lightning, God delivered the specifications for an ark. In fear and trembling, Noah took the plans and he said, God, I will obey. Remember, said the Lord, You must complete the ark and bring everything aboard in one year. So exactly one year later, fierce storm clouds covered the earth and all the seas of the earth went into tumult. The Lord looked down and saw a strange sight. Noah was sitting in his front yard weeping. Noah, the Lord shouted, where is the ark? Lord, please forgive me, cried Noah. I did my best, but there were big problems. I didn't realize it, but the first thing I was supposed to do was get a permit for construction. And your plans did not comply with codes. I had to hire an engineering firm and redraw the plans. Then I got into a fight with OSHA over whether or not the ark needed a fire sprinkler system and flotation devices. Then my neighbor objected, claiming I was violating zoning ordinances by building the ark in my front yard, so I had to get a variance from the City Planning Commission. I had problems getting enough wood for the ark because there was a ban on cutting trees to protect the spotted owl. I finally convinced the U.S. Forest Service that I needed the wood to save the owls. However, the Fish and Wildlife Service won't let me catch any owls, so sorry, Lord, no owls. The carpenters I I hired formed a union (laughs) and went out on strike and I had to negotiate a settlement with the National Labor Relations Board before anyone could pick up a saw or a hammer. Now I have 16 carpenters on the ark, but still no owls. When I started rounding up the other animals, I got sued by PETA, that animal rights group. They objected to me only taking two of each kind. They said I should take more of each kind. Just when I got that suit dismissed, the Environmental Protection Agency notified me that I could not complete the ark until filing an environmental impact statement on your proposed flood. And, and sir, Lord... I have to tell you, they were pretty upset that they didn't have jurisdiction over the plans of the creator of the universe. (laughs) Then I got to tell you, the Army Corps of Engineers demanded a map of the proposed new floodplain. So I sent them a globe. (laughs) They did not think that was funny and totally rejected my response. Well, right now, Lord, I'm trying to resolve a complaint filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission because they say I'm practicing discrimination by only taking Christians aboard and not including godless, unbelieving people. On top of all that, the IRS has seized my assets. They are sure that I'm part of the Tea Party. (laughs) And the only reason I'm, I'm building this ark is in preparation to flee the country to avoid paying taxes. God, I just got a notice from the state that I owe them some kind of user tax, and they're really upset that I failed to register the ark as a recreational (laughs) watercraft. Finally, the ACLU got the courts to issue an injunction against further construction of the ark, saying that since God is flooding the earth, it is a religious event, so it's unconstitutional. (laughs) Lord, I hate to tell you, but I think it's going to be about five or six years before I can get this ark built, and Noah was weeping uncontrollably, but suddenly the sky began to clear, the sun began to shine, the seas became calm, and a rainbow arced across the sky. Noah looked up hopefully and said, you mean you're not going to destroy the earth? No, said the Lord sadly. I don't have to, the government already has. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 6, and uh, we're just going to read from there. I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version, and... um, I hope you'll follow along on the screen, and you've got the notes there in your seat, so there are a few blanks to fill in along the way, and we hope you will get those and uh, participate with us today. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Now it came to pass, is that, that's some good news right there, isn't it? It didn't come to stay, it came to, anybody got any stuff, they'll be ready, they're ready for it to pass, Amen. I mean, <laughs> That is totally out of context, but it always encourages me. (laughs) Now, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. That's a very powerful statement right there. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. We'll talk about all of this through the series. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Mighty men and men of renown. Take note of that. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart, the broken heart of God. Isn't that amazing right there? You know God has feelings, and his heart can be broken. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry That I have made them. Look at verse 8 and everybody say it out loud with me. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, in verse 8, we find the very first appearance of the word grace undeserved love, unmerited favor. Aren't you glad today that you don't have to try to get God to love you? Aren't you glad you don't have to try to get God to even like you? I put on Facebook the other week, somebody put uh, some comment and underneath. I said, I am so glad God only, only required us to love people. We didn't have to like everybody. <laughs> Isn't that true? Uh, so, but God loves us. God likes us. We are the apple of his eye. We are his pleasure. We are his highest form of creation. And he loves us deeply, therefore he offers us grace, undeserved love, love we don't have to work for. As we examine the life of Noah, here's the amazing thing we're going to discover over the next three sermons after this one, is we're going to discover some beautiful pictures of Jesus in this story. Jesus is so clear in the story of Noah, we're going to see types of our Lord and I'm looking forward to digging into that. I've only kind of scratched the surface in my sermon preparation. And I'm looking forward to digging into that and bringing that to you. So let's kind of lay some groundwork today. At the top of your notes there, you've got three blanks. And the words aren't going to come up on the screen. So uh, I'm praying for you as you try to spell these words, all right? Archaeology goes in the first blank. Archaeology. The first thing we want to notice is that archaeology tells us that the flood took place in the days of Noah. It is a fact. It is a historical fact, this flood. It is interesting to note that the flood in which God destroys the entire world except for eight people takes place. Now, I don't know. When you think about the creation of Adam and Eve and, you know, you're reading about Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and now you're just kind of over here at Genesis 6 and you think maybe that's 10 years or five years or whatever, it's actually the flood came 1,656 years after creation. And, um... As you do those timelines, I don't know how many of y'all went to Bible school or Bible college or you've been in some in-depth Bible study where you have to do those detailed timelines, but that really helps you get an accurate picture of what's going on. Do you know that archaeologists tell us, listen to this, this is important, that all civilizations record in their history a worldwide flood? All civilizations Though many of these civilizations are pagan, they are not Christian, they still acknowledge the fact of a worldwide flood. They have the flood in their legends and in their stories. Now, being pagan, their story of the flood is a little different than our story of the flood because our story of the flood comes from the original document Uh, teaching us about the flood, revealing to us the facts of the flood, and that original document is the Bible. Now, these pagan civilizations, they got their first account of that from the Bible too. But being unchristian, as they handed down this story, how many of you remember in school when you played the little game, I don't know what it's called, where you whisper something in this kid's ear, and by the time it gets all the way to the other kid on the other end, it's totally different? Well, the pagans, as they passed down these legends and stories of the flood, things got added and things got taken out, and so their story is a little different. Now, here's why that's important to us, because as as Christians and as we look at the Bible and see the Bible as absolute truth, infallible truth, inerrant truth— The Holy Spirit protected the Word of God as it was passed down through the years, but the pagan teaching did not have that same protection, therefore it was modified as it went down through history. Of course, the common source uh, for even the pagans, that original source, and of course for us, was the Bible. So archeology, span archeologists tell us, and I I wanna make this clear too. I know when, pra- when pastors preach on stuff like this and they talk about archaeologists who uh, have found these things, they, uh, a lot of people who are skeptical go, yeah, a bunch of archaeologists in Christian schools and uh, you know, Christian colleges or Bible colleges, they're the ones who, who did this. But even secular uh, archaeologists affirm the truth or fact of the flood as a historical event. The next group that does that are geologists, and geologists have discovered many, many infallible evidences that prove a worldwide flood. And I could have gone deep into this and talked a lot about it, but my primary role as a pastor and preacher to you is to bring the gospel but I could talk to you about fish fossils, aquatic fossils being found in Kansas and Wyoming and then the middle of the United States, Uh, shark teeth and things of this nature that are found in desert places uh, where there are desert places now. There are many, many, many evidences, listen carefully, from secular geologists that uh, uh, the evidence is undeniable for a catastrophic worldwide flood. And I I like the fact that the archaeologists back this up, and I love the fact that geologists back this up, but I got to tell you why I believe in the flood. I believe in the flood not primarily because of archaeology and not primarily because of geology, but I believe in the flood because of Christology. I believe in the flood because Jesus believed in the flood. Isn't that right? I mean, when somebody dies and come ba- comes back to life three days later, I'm interested in what he has to say. And I'm going to believe what he says. And our Lord overcame death. And in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Jesus believed in uh, Noah. He knew it was a historical fact. He knew it was true. And if Jesus believed it, I'm going to believe it. Kind of get a little amen right there. So when you read this, as it was in the days of Noah, I notice the second part of this, so shall it be. So we're talking about, Jesus is talking about something that already has happened and he's talking about something that hasn't yet happened. And do you know that is still true today? Even though when Jesus said it, it was true, and here we are over 2,000 years later, it is still true that the flood did happen, but the coming of the Lord is going to happen. Now I want to tell you what we believe here at the bridge, and we're not ashamed of it. We believe Jesus is coming back. We believe Jesus is coming back, and this time he won't be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But this time he will come back on a white stallion, and on the bridle of that horse it will say, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will set up his reign on this earth, and we will rule with him. Isn't that awesome? And if you don't agree with that, you just come up after service, and I'll forgive you. So what were the days of Noah like? So, so Jesus says, notice uh, Matthew 24, 37 now, as it was in the days of Noah. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, is saying, hey, a bridge, you really want to study the days of Noah because how it was in the days of Noah is how it's going to be right before I come back. So this is some pretty good information, isn't it? We need to. You know, a lot of people say the old. Oh, that's Old Testament. You ever heard somebody say that? Oh, that's the Old Testament. Listen, the Old Testament is just as relevant to us today in a different way than it was to those uh, who lived in that contemporary time when the Old Testament was the only. Uh, part of the Bible that had been written. So the Old Testament is relevant to us today. You say, well, what about all that stuff in Leviticus and all, the, all of that, even though we don't practice those things anymore because Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead and said, all of that is finished, it's over. We don't have to do, the, we don't have to do that anymore. However, all of that is a picture of Jesus. So all of that is very, very, very relevant. The whole Bible is relevant, every bit of it. And, uh, and so Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, you need to study that. That's what he's telling us right here. Study the days of Noah because that will tell you what it's going to be like right before I come back to the earth. So what were the days of Noah like? I mean, that just begs the question, doesn't it? What were they like? And that's what we're going to look at. Number one, here's what the days of Noah were like. They were days of conceit. That's your next blank. They were days of conceit. Pride. Pride that led to apostasy. Pride that led to unbelief. Can I say to you this morning that that is where pride always leads. Pride always leads us to unbelief. Now, I want to say this. You've heard me say it before, but I want to reiterate this. Pride is the foundation of every other sin. Every other sin we commit, pride is the reason we do it. Self-love, self-love is why we commit the sins we commit. And uh, we all stumble, we all fall Uh, We all mess up, and pride is the reason. So that is at the top of your prayer list. Lord, help me to be humble before you. Let's go back to uh, some of the scripture we already read. Let's read it again, Genesis 6, 1 through 3. It says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man forever. Boy, I'd take note of that if I were you. For he is indeed flesh. That means he, she, humans are indeed made out of flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So here we see the conceitedness and deep pride As the sons of God intermarry with the daughters of men. Now, you're out there, if you're like me, or uh, like me before I learned about all this stuff when I was in Bible college, you're like, who in the world were the sons of God? And who in the world are these uh, daughters of men? Well, the one daughters of men, that's pretty easy. That's just uh, the daughters of men. So, So it's just beautiful women. The Bible talks about beautiful women, and the Bible talks about uh, these sons of God seeing these women, and they were attracted to them. So the big question is, who are the sons of God? Who were they? Well, most theologians, most reputable theologians, believe that the sons of God were demons. And uh, you say, well, why are they called the sons of God? They were called the sons of God because at one time they were what? Angels. Now, we did a study on Satan a few weeks ago, and we talked about how Satan uh, fell from heaven and how many um, without number of angels fell with him and followed him. And those angels, now fallen, are the demon powers that go about uh, wreaking havoc in our lives. And I don't mean to freak you out today, but they're here today, and they want to ruin this service. And our sound men are convinced that they do get in sound equipment and audio equipment quite often. Have you ever been in a worship service that you felt like, something wasn't right. You felt like um, the music was good. The singing was good. But you felt in your worship that you had a brick in both hands. It was just kind of hard to worship. It was kind of hard to keep focused. It was kind of hard. i got to tell you, um, and again, uh, some of you may be hearing some of this for the first time. If God would open right now our spiritual eyes and let us see what's going on above us, we would probably all go, ah, because angels of God are battling right now with the powers of darkness for the success of this service. And I don't know how you all feel, but so far in this service today, I feel like those angels are winning, don't you? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So when we live right and when we walk right and when we sin, we repent of our sin and get right with God. And, and we're not a hypocritical church, but we're a real church and a genuine church. We admit we fall, we admit we mess up, and, and we come before God and fall at His feet and repent and turn away. Then God honors that kind of attitude. So when the battle is on for the service, He sends His angels to fight in our behalf. And we sing about that, don't we? how we're more than conquerors and we're triumphant and uh, talks about, you know, he uh, he we are not alone. He will fight for you. You remember that worship song we sing? And so we're in always, constantly, every day as Christians, we are in a spiritual battle. Now, sometimes it's more intense than other times, but we're in a spiritual battle. So let's get back to Noah here. These sons of God, now this is going to, Maybe some of you who aren't really interested in the Bible, when you hear this, you're going to go home and do some Bible study. That'd be great. These sons of God were demon spirits and actually took human wives and had children with them. And these children were giants. Some of them were giants. The Bible calls them mighty men of renown. They, many theologians believe, were very grotesque. Um, look at the person beside you and say, hey, you might be one of them. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke right there. They were, they were very seriously, they were kind of a half-demon, half-human um, entity. And uh, I would encourage you to do your study there. But I don't have time or space in this message really to go into all that. I hope I kind of whet your appetite so you'll get into this story of Noah. Why is this story of Noah so important? Why is it so important? Well, it's important because God was in it, and it was a God event. It was a God thing. But it's really important because of what Jesus said about it. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be right before I come back. So we really need to know what those days were like. They were days of pride. They were days of uh, conceitedness and apostasy. They were a time of unholy alliances. Now, as I'm preaching this today and as I'm talking to you about this, I want you to think about how what I'm saying about Noah's time compares to our time. Okay? Let's look at number two. Second, they were days of chaos. Chaos or anarchy. Um, Men turning away from everything that is holy. Men just, and when I say men, I mean humans, all, both genders, turning away from everything that is holy. Look at verse four again. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Now I want you to notice this, this last sentence of verse four. These, these, um demons, these demon powers, these, these offspring of these demons with these daughters of men were mighty men of old, uh, who were of old, and men of renown. So then that begs the question, they were mighty for what? And they were renowned for what? What were they mighty for? and mighty to do what, and renown in what? And the answer to that question is in the next verse, verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man. Notice this. Now, I want you to think about it. Just think about our world, where we live now, and how, how our world is. And I don't know about you all, um, but um, I've never lived in a time of a more antichrist spirit than we have in the world right now a more anti-Christian, anti-Bible, anti-church environment than we live in right now. Have you all noticed that it's all right to talk about any religion except Christianity? And when you talk about Christianity, uh, you know, the ACLU gets all up in arms, but the other religions, I won't mention them, they can come in and tell them, we need to learn about them. We are told we need to understand them, but Christianity... Uh, which is really the bedrock upon which this nation was built, we are being told now that that is uh, not politically correct to talk about that. And so uh, we are told, actually, that there are laws against us standing up for Christianity in our public arena, like local schools and things of that nature, when actually those laws don't exist. And so we just kind of believe because the news media is throwing it out there and throwing it out there. We just kind of buy into that. So we kind of withdraw in, and we just let the other message go out. And you, you know, we've we've become kind of weaklings in that area. And so, uh, as I talk about this, I want you to just think about our day. Wickedness abounds around us, and. Uh, I don't want you to get too discouraged while I'm preaching this morning because we're going to end this sermon on a very positive note, okay? But, but one of the things in being a successful Christian in this world is facing reality and, and not, not thinking that we live in some utopian world, but ladies and gentlemen, if you're a child of God, the, listen, the moment you decided to be a Christian, you started going against the current. Before that, you were going with the flow, so it was easier. So the moment you say, I'm tired of serving self, I'm tired of the sin in my life, I'm tired of Satan having his way in my life, I'm going to follow Jesus. Well, the moment you make that decision, you are now going against the flow of this world. And I preach on that a lot, but I think it's important for you to remember that, that as a Christian sometimes... You, you feel like the guy over there in Psalm 73, and if you're taking notes, just write in the margin of your notes over there to the side, Psalm 73. Now, don't read that right now, because I don't like for people to have Bible study while I'm preaching. But Psalm 73 really talks about a Christian going, man, I gave my heart to the Lord, and all of a sudden, I'm going, it's really hard, good, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. The Bible says in Hebrews that we are not citizens of this world. The moment you become a child of God, you are out of your element in this world. You are a fish out of water. The moment you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you, listen, when you decide to follow Jesus, you just became a citizen of heaven. So down here in this world, you're going to be... You're going to feel like a stranger and a pilgrim. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible calls you when you become a Christian. We are strangers and pilgrims looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And the people said, amen. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. If you're you're bad, you say, I'm telling you, the devil's just on me every day. That's good news. If he's not on you, he's got you. If he's not fighting you, he's got you. So he's going to fight us. He's going to war against us. He's going to come at us physically and emotionally. And he's going to come at us through our children and our family. And he's even going to come at us from people at church and all of that. And we just need to recognize some of you are holding grudges against people. And it's really not them at all but they've been used by the enemy to wreak havoc in your life and bring frustration into your life and try to distract you from the purpose for which God called you to function in this world. Don't be distracted. Look at that person and go, devil? No, don't do that, don't do that. But just look at that person. You know, It's kind of like when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm sure Peter went, oh, time out. But he knew that that wasn't Peter. But that was Satan. And so understand who your enemy is. Quit fighting the wrong people and the wrong enemy. The Bible says in verse 5 the Lord saw the wickedness. Everybody say, wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent, listen to this, this is powerful language here. And every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only what? How often? Continually. Isn't that powerful? So they were mighty. The Bible says they were mighty up there in verse 4, and they were renowned. So they were mighty. They were empowered by the enemy to do wickedness. They were empowered to be wicked, empowered to do wicked. And renowned, that means they were well known for their sin. They were well known for Uh, Their debauchery and their lasciviousness. And I would encourage you to, lasciviousness especially is a New Testament word um, that you need to learn the meaning of that. The King James Version says it this way. Every imagination of the thoughts of the men who were against God during the days of Noah Even their imagination was supernaturally charged so that they could even invent evil. Um, Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was also evil continually. So when I read that in the King James Version, I thought about that word imagination, and I did a word study, and the human, the the Hebrew root word, the Hebrew, you know, Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally, and the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. And so when you want to find out and do a word study in the Old Testament, you go to the Hebrew. And the best way to do that, one of the best ways to do that is make sure that you have a Strong's exhaustive concordance. It's about that thick. But it's an excellent tool. It's very, very easy to use and will help you do word studies to get deeper in the scripture. It will help you to do those much, much easier. And so um, uh, this word imagination in the Hebrew means, listen, to shape, to shape. Now this is important, so so get it. To shape, in other words, uh, to like a potter, uh, would take a piece of soft clay and shape it into something with his hands. The evil men of that day um, came up, they were shaping, they were making, they were creating. Now, now, let, let me just go back before I say that and remind you of what Jesus said. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be that way right before I come back. So find out what the days of Noah were like. So I'm about to tell you. In the days of Noah, they were creating new philosophies and God was not a part of them. Ding, ding, ding. Alarms going off. We see it right now, today, happening all around us. They were creating new philosophies, These new ideas were being spawned. And really, they were satanically inspired, these thoughts and these creations of new sins. Um, These ideas were being molded by these men. Uh, This word imagination means that men were fashioning or making wicked philosophies. And with these wicked philosophies, They use them to support filthy causes, filthy causes. We've been pretty rough on the guy who made the recent movie about Noah, and I've not seen that movie, but let's cut some slack to him right? a little bit because when you read the Scriptures, a lot of people go, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say, saw that movie, man, it has nothing to do with the Bible. Well, actually, when you consider this, he might have actually been on target with a lot of that stuff. He might have. I'm not saying he was, but you know, the Lord doesn't give us all detail about these days of Noah. And so it talks about how evil men were, how wicked men were. Let me just kind of go a little bit deeper with what they were doing to show you how it relates to our day. Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the end. These these people in Noah's day were trying to reshape society. They were trying to remold society and make it something different. Now let me just throw this in. I'm 57 years old. I remember a time when whether a person went to church or not, whether a person was a Christian or not, everybody knew what perverted was. I'm going to say that again so y'all can say amen mo' louder. Back in the day, I know what y'all are thinking. We're not as old as you. How can we say amen to that? We don't know. Um, back in the day, everybody knew what perversion was. Everybody knew. I mean, people who didn't go to church, people who didn't know Jesus, they would see something and go, that's messed up right there. They didn't say that, but you know, back then they didn't say, that's messed up right there, but... Anyway, there we go. that's, That's craziness. But today, it has flipped. And what was good is now bad. And what was bad is now good. And now... There is a level of political correctness in this world that won't even let us speak truth when everybody in the room knows it's truth. That's where we're living. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be right before I come back. And I'm telling you, in the days of Noah, they were remolding the thinking of men. They were reshaping the thinking of men. They were trying to get perversion and vice and immorality to become the acceptable norm. We live there, boys and girls. We live there right now. They were trying back in Noah's day to get society to say what was good is really bad and what is bad is really good. Back in Noah's day, they were trying to get people to be molded into their Godless philosophy. I don't know what you believe, but I believe Jesus is coming soon. Because the same sins of that day and the same philosophies that produced the flood, and what was the flood ultimately? What was the flood? The what of God? The judgment. What is the, what, when Jesus comes, and we believe in the rapture in this church and catches us away and I know some of y'all believe different things about the rapture. Some of you don't even believe in the rapture. But when it happens, I'll just look over there at you and go, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, and we'll just, go on, <laughs> we'll just go on up to heaven. But so, so those same philosophies that produced the flood, that judgment, when God looked down on those philosophies and God looked down on those sins, judgment came, and judgment, the judgment of God is the tribulation period. But like the days of Noah, we're going to be called out. We're going to be rescued before it comes if we're genuinely children of God. So those same sins, those same kind of sins and philosophies that brought in the flood and the judgment of God are the same ones that saturate our society right now today. You say, that's a little hard for me. Well, it might be a little hard for you, but it is the truth. Jesus said, as it was in the time of Noah, it shall be at the end. Conceit and chaos. And then third, coldness. There was no honor toward God in the last days of Noah, in the days of Noah. There was no respect for mankind, your fellow man. There was not even a sense for God and I didn't put this scripture up here, I should have. It's not gonna be on the screen. The reference is in your notes.